So it's a beautiful fall day here, and I'd like to say welcome to Meanderings with Trudy. Uh, Joining me today is Natalie Bedard. Natalie is an empowerment coach, and she has a company called Lift Oneself, and that's also the name of her podcast, which I was a guest on, full disclosure, a couple of of weeks ago, and it was was just a true pleasure. Uh, Natalie came to me through a, a joint friend of ours. Who, uh, who recommended that we hook up and have a chat and explore all things life. So, uh, so Natalie is kindly returning the favor for me now to, to sit and chat about uh, all things joy. So welcome. Thank you, Trudy. And uh, anybody that takes a listen to that podcast, that was the very first time that me and Trudy interacted with each other. And the way that that conversation flowed, you would think that we knew each other for years because it was such a, a comfort. And I appreciate the vulnerability that you extended to myself and the listeners. Um, it, I think, not that I think that has been the intention of the podcast, that there's relatability and that we can go into the vulnerability together. Mm. And it doesn't have to just be by ourselves, that we can create really what community is and that we can be interconnected and interdependent with each other and that we don't have to suffer alone and we don't have to go through our pains and wallows alone mm-hmm. and, you know, show our, our and share the joys mm-hmm. of the challenges. Mm-hmm. So thank you for accepting that invitation, Trudy. Hey, you're welcome. I knew that that was the spirit that was there. So, you know, when you're asked to show up, it's... Uh, with such a generous offer, well, for me anyway, I, I do my best to step up and step in. So, yeah. yeah. So thanks for that. Yeah. So how long have you been podcasting? Like what, what drew you into that? I started in, um, I jumped in April. I started doing some interviews and I think I went live I think April or May. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it was right before Mother's Day because mm-hmm. my first few podcasts were in regards to um, mother wounds. Mm. And I just had this gnawing in me of do a podcast, have conversations with people, do it live so that you can give this gift of service. Mm-hmm. I have a gift where people, when they have conversations with me, their nervous system is regulated so that judgment filter isn't there and they feel very open to speak. Mm. And some of my podcasts, some of the conversations could not be aired because that was just a personal conversation that they felt safe to say, but it wasn't to be put to the public. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to have the intention of removing the stigmas around mental health Mm -hmm. and to give a lot of relatability that everybody in any kind of walk of life, any financial background, any social hierarchy, that we are all human in the crux of everything. And I just listened to the tug. I knew nothing about podcasting. It was a steep hill of learning. Um, I do everything on my own. So I edit, I publish, I create the artwork, I find the clients, I do the interviews. And so it was a steep learning. And what I appreciate and what I've been reflecting on this week is that a month after I published this live, mm-hmm. I completely ruptured my Achilles. And if anybody has ruptured oh. their Achilles, a complete rupture. The, the tendon on your foot. Oh mm-hmm. my, that's so painful. Ah, uh, yeah. And I was bedridden and, oh. you know, going through the rehabilitation of getting back your mobility and your independence and mm-hmm. having to, you know, you, you go through 
an inner conflict of when you lose your dependence and you, you don't realize how much you depend on walking. Um, and I still stay committed with doing this podcast. I was in bed, foot up, still doing interviews with people, making it work. So I really saw the discipline in me of when I make a commitment with my intention, Mm -hmm. how things will serve and how I will still show up in those challenges and make it work. Mm -hmm. Um, And I learned a lot in there. Um, This summer I took a break. I was in Barbados for seven weeks Mm -hmm. and I really got to reflect more of what I have to offer into the world. Mm -hmm. So this podcasting will be a lot more of intentions of really going deeper, mm-hmm. finding more tools and skills that people can relate to and talking to a variety and, and an array of around the world. So that just because I see it my way, somebody else sees it a different way and that can help somebody else mm-hmm. because we are, you know, it, it's a lot of times we can be one dimensional and only see it away and forget that there's multitude of dimensions to seeing things. And so that's what I want to offer to the world that there's not just one way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And I know in North America, it can get kind of, you're getting pulled in different diets or different ways of mental health or different, this different, that, and you can get bombarded with it. Yet once you hear somebody that has a frequency that you can relate to and you want to be engaged with doing the work, that's what I want to offer to people so that they know that there's different ways and their way. There's somebody that can give them the reflection, the guidance to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And how do you find your guests? Are they uh, through like personal connections like you and I or like do you do you cold, cold call people? What do you what do you do? I do cold call people. I um, go on Instagram and um, Facebook. And when I see certain um, ways that they speak and communicate, mm-hmm. I'll just send a message asking, like, I think you would, you know, great value to our listeners. And would you be a guest? Um, also, how we connected is that somebody recommended you. And so it was like, okay, let me, because if there's recommendations and people that know my podcast know what the intention is. Mm -hmm. So when they're recommending, I know that it's somebody that will serve um, the community of the listeners that are listening. And um, some of them at the beginning were friends that I knew that I knew would give value. Mm -hmm. Um, And they went very deep and I'm, I'm very honored with, um, that sacredness Mm -hmm. of vulnerability that they offered to me, because these were conversations that they hadn't had with people. Mm -hmm. And afterwards they thanked me because it was needed to release some things and let go and also empower other people Mm -hmm. with their journey, um, and, you know, pay it forward. And so, yeah, it's cold calling, it's recommendations. It's me researching to who I think would offer value mm-hmm. and yeah just going like that yeah 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 and then sort of using your your instinctive way which is very very good to just kind of ask the right questions right yeah and yeah. and follow that thread of the conversation you know yeah I use a lot of intuition mm-hmm. I was uh I pushed away my intuition a lot throughout my life because I thought just the messaging that I would get from the external. You can't talk that way. You can't feel that way. You mm. you, you can't do it that way. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, no, follow your intuition, mm-hmm. follow that. Even as much as the world might scream, you just follow it mm-hmm. and 
and as much as you might feel there's rejection or there's fear or Mm -hmm. um, another person may not want to hear what you're saying um a lot of that is just my own head because once i follow my intuition people are thanking me and saying this is exactly what i needed to hear and thank you for that yeah so it's you know it's it's i've in the past eight years i've rebuilt a better relationship with my intuition Mm -hmm. i've always had it yet Mm -hmm. i've strengthen that um, relationship. Yeah. There's so many ways that our society tells us that we're not right. You know, like we don't fit in, we're on the wrong track. uh, You're not like everybody else. You know, a a gazillion ways we're we're constantly getting those sorts of messages. And uh, I think one of the one of the things that it's really important to remember is that just by being here, you exist, you fit in, you belong. And um, and then let's let's take that as the foundational place for where I come from. And then what happens if I work from there? And yet so often that's not what any of us are able to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 I have a practice within my own life to when that imposter or the inner critic starts, you know, because it's my nervous system dysregulating you know, taking those pauses of breathing, asking the questions of what are you actually afraid of? What are you actually feeling? Mm-hmm. What is really going on? Why are you in the the train of thoughts that you know are ants that aren't going to get you anywhere? Mm-hmm. They're just limiting you. And, you know, it, it, this wasn't overnight. It took years yeah. to have this practice of little by little and engaging and chipping away mm-hmm. and shifting my perception. Yeah. And that's what I offer to others is, you know, I, I call it empowerment coaching because I think um, life coaching in some ways has been tarnished by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my basic messaging is, I'm able to unravel things for people so that they can shift their perception. Because once you can shift your perception, you're able to see it in a different way. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we're just seeing it in a very limiting way, uh, a protective way, which is negative. And we're not able to expand to see the abundance of things mm-hmm. and to go into the unknown and, and be okay, which is very difficult when you want to control <laughs> to be in the uncertainty of things. Yeah. Yeah. And know that, you know, like, as you just mentioned, you're here and you are worthy of being here. You're yeah. meant to be here because be, you here. are. I mean, it's kind of one of those infinity circles, right? You're, you're meant to be here because you are here and because you are here, you belong to be here. And because you belong to be here, you're actually meant to be here, right? Like it's this little, little figure eight on its side, the infinity that just goes like that. And, yeah. you know, but, but trusting that is is really hard and we don't have practices um typically in our society that bring us into that and i i know i know that mindfulness is a, is a big part of what you do and and also i can see a big part of who you are so how did how did you come to mindfulness is that kind of a um it's more than a tool it's it's like a way of being how, how did you get yes. drawn into that um i almost died eight years ago I was hospitalized and uh, I was in the hospital for, oh, I think it was like 36 or th- 37. I always say almost 40 days. Mm. Um, and anybody that has gone through the medical system, they don't keep you in the hospital if they like, you don't yeah. get kept. No. And you don't want the experience that I had because they didn't know what to do. So when you're an experiment with medicine, you go through rigorous testing. Mm -hmm. So I went through very um, physically painful testing to try Mm -hmm. to 
um, find out what was the source of my ailments. I had lesions in my brainstem and my cerebellum, and it caused me to be debilitated, almost paralyzed. It shift, you know, the position of my eyes. And so in there, when you're in a, um, a space where you trust it, because we are to trust medicine. Mm -hmm. And I still, you know, I, I trust medicine to a certain degree. Um, yet it's also recognizing medicine doesn't know the totality of human life. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, going through that, um, I had a lot of experts tell me they didn't know, mm -hmm. and they didn't know what to do for me. Um, I was released from the hospital with, we don't know what to do yet. You know, we'll just keep monitoring you. And mm. um, they were wanting to put me on medication and I refused because one of the medications had many side effects. And I'm like, how are you? And I'm thankful for my um, general practitioner because she was in the mindset, I cannot treat something that I don't know what I'm treating. So mm -hmm. I cannot prescribe you medicine if I don't know what I'm treating. Mm -hmm. And so that stuck with me throughout the years with her and, you know, putting me in here. Um, I said, like, you're not going to put me on something because you don't know what it is and you're using a safe fall when it has like 101 different side effects. Um, when I was released, you know, um, I went back into something in my personal life that caused another flare up. And for me to be debilitated and having to go back into the ER. And there, that's when I started the um, medication. And that was a journey in itself. And then I discovered um, about seven months in for my medication, I would say, or maybe nine months in, I discovered meditation. Mm -hmm. And um, it was TM, my portal mm -hmm. to go in. So that's transcendental meditation. Okay. And I just dropped in there. And um, even the person that was guiding me, they were like, um, I have not had a person go this deep so quickly. And I just really understood the energy of it. Mm -hmm. And um, in that, you know, continuously meditating, understanding my breath, releasing the traumas that were in my nervous system, understanding um, what I had created as habits and pushing away my emotions, not feeling the anger and not feeling the frustration, the sadness, mm -hmm. uh, feeling powerless. And in that, you know, meditating, you know, I had a voice that kept saying, stop the medication, stop the medication. I was like, no, no, I can't. Like I, the doctors are having, and it's just stop. And so I listened to that and I don't recommend anybody to do this. This was what I did for myself. And it's not in a way of all oh, medication is evil and get out. No, because it has its purpose. This was my path and I was ready to do this. And this is what was needed in my journey. And so I stopped it. And when I went to go see my neurologist and explained to her what I had did, she was like gasping because she was like, you could have died. Like you have no immune system. And I was like, you've already told me I could die and I'm still here. And you guys aren't able to give me any answers. And you're putting me in a situation where I'm not even able to enjoy being in my body. And so I followed this and I'm, 
engage to do the work to work with my body, work with my immune system. So, you know, she, and when I would explain what I was doing because they couldn't understand, well, how are you rehabilitating yourself without medication? And when I would explain it, they're like, it sounds like mindfulness, but I I cannot really grasp it, Mm -hmm. but whatever you're doing, continue Mm -hmm. because it's working for you. Mm -hmm. And so it became a a way of living for you. Was it showing, did they do brain scans that showed that the lesions were closing? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They were um, shrinking. And then like, you know, there's still damage that was done because they're scarring Mm -hmm. in the brain. And as much as you do your mindfulness and you repair, there's still like, you know, you sever an arm, you're not able to meditate and grow back an arm and a limb. Unless you're Um, a starfish. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're humans. One. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or you could get an artificial one. Yeah. There's always yeah, yeah. possibilities. Yet to repair um, the body to its fullest, there is going to be some damage. Mm-hmm. And you, you have to accept that, um, yet still continuously create these new neurological um, pathways, pathways and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, this is and, the, the whole neuroplasticity that we've been, that scientists have been looking at for the last 20 years, you know, the, the ability to um, direct your thoughts to build a pathway away from something that has been destructive for you. So this is, um, you know, science is showing that that, that is a thing. Um, we don't really know how to handle it or what to do with it quite yet um but but it's a growing area of understanding Mm -hmm. and i'm a lived experience of it and whoo what an experience i think we all know that healing comes in many forms and we've been learning about the value of mindfulness meditation and this kind of healing for many years i'm really quite keen to hear about the rest of natalie's experience so Thanks for joining us today on Meanderings with Trudy, and and let's jump back into what she has to tell us. Some of the things that I was doing um, later on, I would see that this teacher was teaching it, that teacher was teaching it, was like, well, where did you find that? And I was like, it was just intuitively inside to do it this way. Mm-hmm. And so after, you know, I it was reinforced that my path is there. There are people that have been doing this mm-hmm. yet I we you know when it's asked well where did you come and it's like I can't I'm not able to answer that it was within mm-hmm. and so a lot of it you know came and and a lot of research too and and you know taking courses and mm-hmm. um you know finding knowledge but not but a lot of people what I see are hoarding a lot of knowledge but they're not putting application mm-hmm and I applied a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people will be like, well, I don't have time to meditate. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, if you don't have time to meditate, you're not going to see the changes. No. Yeah. And it's what I find too is um, meditation is like going to the gym. You're working on certain kinds of muscles that you then apply in your real life, like in your non-meditation life. I shouldn't say real life, but just, you know, outside in the real world. And it's that it's that leap into that um, I think is a there's a break somewhere because because not a lot of people then take their well I can meditate for an hour well good for you but what does that mean are you still getting grumpy when somebody cuts you off in traffic because if you are then you know find a way to figure out what you're actually practicing while you're meditating because maybe what you're practicing is is circumventing emotion, experience, understanding, self-acceptance, all of the things. 
and that's why you're still struggling when you're outside in the in the in the world getting cut off in traffic and and having a meltdown you know so it's it's like there's something we need to take our experience from one and move it into the other and there's a disconnect there what do they call that spiritual bypass when yeah, you know meditating for the sake of meditating <laughs> yeah. yes there's a lot and and coming to your part you know it's also allowing yourself to be human. So if you do get frustrated, it's remembering, oh, this is why I'm practicing because there's still little parts that will come up with remnants that I take personally. And I forget to let go of that personal part and be in the big and, and, you know, and emotions are directions. So if you're frustrating, what really is underneath that? Yeah. It's It's not the person cutting you off. Yeah. It's what have you, what are you suppressing down that is trying to get your attention? Mm Mm-hmm. And so all of this is great information and it's not one to self-loathe and not one to be like, oh, I'm not there yet. And I'm not, it's like, you're human. This is an experience. Mm -hmm. And so if there's parts of you that are not showing up in the way that you intend and want to be, that is your curriculum. Mm -hmm. Dig deeper into that and find out why is this coming up? There's something deeper. Cause I, I, if logically and intellectually, you will know that somebody cutting me off, isn't the real reason why I'm frustrated. So what is it that maybe a week ago, something happened, you didn't really deal with the emotions. And now it's popping up now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we we don't meditate to avoid feeling. We actually meditate to be with what's there in a non judgmental kind way. Right? Yeah. yeah. Now that's not that this is a certain kind of meditation, but it's, and there's lots of them, like, like you say, yeah. you, you've studied transcendental meditation, which is and I don't follow than mindfulness. Right. Yeah. And I don't follow that anymore. I go mm-hmm. into Vipassana. So I'm always following my breath. Right. And so meditation isn't, I have a practice of sitting right. and releasing yet my meditation is in everyday living. So whenever something yeah. it's follow your breath and mm-hmm. drop in. Mm-hmm. and release and open up. Um, so yeah, but my pathway was TM with a mantra to mm-hmm. go into, you know, because it's overwhelming when you go into yeah. the inner world mm-hmm. and go into your nervous system yeah. and all these things that you have not dealt with before all come rushing up. Oh yeah, absolutely. When I first, um, my coach training now, mm, nine years ago, um, they invited us into meditation. And that was sort of the first time that I'd, I'd really done any and as soon as I sat down and closed my eyes in the classroom setting, I immediately had this huge upswell of grief. And I was like, you know, brought to tears. And I was also going, what the heck? What is this? Like, where did that come from? And it was like that every single time. And then when I would sit with my clients right in the beginning of coaching, what they were feeling, I was feeling. So then there was a lack of of boundaries and and um I was melding with their emotions as opposed to creating the safe container that they needed me to be so that I could help them see themselves. And so my, my, uh, my own coaches said, you know, you need to learn how to be with so that you can feel with, but not take on what they're feeling. And so the, the mindfulness meditation went in tandem with another tool that I use called focusing, um, do you know focusing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then. But you can explain it to the listeners so that they. Mm-hmm. So focusing um, is a process of sitting with the 
call them parts inside of you so that you can companion them. It, it's, it's a way of having dialogue with yourself um, from a place of being centered and, and slightly bigger than your whole self is there. And then these parts come up and you, you follow the parts by finding discomfort in your body. Typically, um, I've now been doing it for a long time, so, uh, I don't need the physical anchor as much anymore. Although when I get a sore neck or when I, you know, my hip bothers me or whatever, um, I do then sit with it because one of the things that we have been taught in our society to do, we talked earlier about all these messages about how you don't belong, but we've also been taught to push through th things that are discomforting, right? It's uncomfortable. Just, just push through it. It'll be okay. Um, but the reality is your body is trying to give you information and talk to you. Mm -hmm. And when something is sore, something, maybe it's just sore. Maybe it's mechanical. Maybe you, you really did, you know, pull a muscle while you're at the gym. But it's also possible that there's something else there because our body has an innate wisdom and we don't know how to listen to it anymore. And so um, I remember my first focusing class, my, my teacher had, had this line. She said, uh, when you, so you've, you've, You've found something physical to anchor on and you've entered in with no agenda, just holding space for that discomfort. And lo and behold, that discomfort goes away. And this is the phrase, sometimes nothing is something. So describe the nothing. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. oh my gosh. And then lo and behold, you begin to describe the nothing that is there and you do find that there is something that is there and then kind of like a baby doe peeking out from the forest you begin to cotton on to something maybe a memory from your past maybe something uh, from your childhood something that you're holding on to mm -hmm. and then we companion that with no agenda mm -hmm. I don't want the pain in my shoulder to go away I want to sit with the pain in my shoulder just to say that I see it, it feels, it feels this way. It's sharp. It's throbbing. It's whatever it may be. I'm describing it. I'm asking it questions like, is there any emotion there? Is there any memory that comes up that's part of that? Just sometimes there is, sometimes there's not. It can be anything that it needs to be. The mindfulness meditation helps support a focusing practice because you have the practice of being with what's there and you know how to go back into your body and say, what am I feeling? So the two of them do go hand in hand, but there's, mm -hmm. they've been so helpful for me to be able to um, put more effective boundaries in place for myself so that when my client is upset, I can feel, um, I can hold them in a space that allows them to have that arc of their own emotional discharge and the vulnerability and trust in both me and themselves to then delve into what, what is that? And then what do we do with that? Right. Yeah. And so it's all part of it. Yeah. 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 And for some of the listeners, um, what might help them too, is that focusing is similar to inner child work. Mm -hmm. So finding those parts yeah. of your inner child that, and so sometimes the language, it's the same theory or practice, yet mm -hmm. some people use it in a different language so mm -hmm. that they can see the similarity of it. It's just certain words resonate with other people. Yeah, that's right. Um, but it's not it's, all inner child work because I have no, found, no, no, no. yeah, there, there, 
for I'm just I, saying the similarity. Yeah, absolutely. So you can go in. We all have uh, a child inside. And what I find with people, even people who don't um, swim in these waters, and you probably find this too when you work with people, is they can actually, if you ask them, and they can sit for a second, you can almost always come in touch with that little person that's inside of you. Mm-hmm. And there are other people who are also inside of you, other voices, uh, ancient ones, um, ones that you don't know that were there, but they have some wisdom for you. And if you're able to sit long enough with them and gain trust in that relationship, you know, and, and this is where I mean... We've been taught not to listen to our bodies, and we've been taught not to listen to our hearts, and we've been taught not to listen to our guts. But if we begin to step back in there, our body often says, our heart often says, our gut often says, well, I ha- you haven't listened to me for years. Why, are you gonna, why should I trust you that you're going to start now? And that's when things go blank. So you kind of have to build up that trust and understanding between yourself and your body that that you are there to be present to whatever is there and there's a surprising amount that actually is there and this isn't um like we disparage it it's it's woo woo it's out there it's like uh. but the reality is we have three centers of wisdom how do we come in contact with them mm-hmm. right too and i've come to learn not to justify anymore mm-hmm. who i need to speak to are willing to listen and those that want to argue and just like I went through the medical system some listened to me and a whole bunch didn't and I learned how to advocate and learn to let go of trying to prove things to people that's right because some things are not going to be able to be explained it's Mm -hmm. just a lived experience and you just you know sometimes when we're speaking in this conversation we're we're sharing frequencies and energies and we just get that wisdom it just cannot be put into words mm-hmm. like creation cannot be put into words it's something that you just realize and you know yeah and you're in a relationship with it you're not here to try to convince other people do you see it it's here it's all that mm-hmm. it's like until that person is ready to come into that relationship and drop yeah. into it there's nothing you can mm-hmm. do or say and i i um, my little persona, my little part ha- f- has always felt that I had to justify mm-hmm. and um, convince people and, um, you know, validate myself. And that is my work is always when I'm seeking that validation or I'm and it's like, wait, wait, have yeah. you validated yourself for first net? Yeah. Yeah. Because, right, you belong. You're yeah. here. Yeah. You're a fact of life. Therefore, you belong. Yeah. And you're also, you're, you're meant to be here in this time and place doing what you're doing. And so if that is your foundational belief about who I am, who you are, who we be, then it's a lot easier to stand in, your, in, in what you know to be true. The other thing that's also interesting is modern science is catching up. We've got it 20 is. years of 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 um, positive psychology. We've got the work of people like... Uh, Gabor Mate. Yeah. Yes. Well, there's him. There's Peter Levine. There's a, there's I mean, a ton of people. There's all the work by Deb the Strasi Institute. Like, I mean, yeah. there's... And we're finding out science around, like, the vagus nerve, for example. Yeah, polyvagal. And, yeah. Right. The whole polyvagal theory. All yeah. of that. The whole yeah. point in, in being 
your anchor is following the breath. I mean, that's all about giving reassurance to our vagus nerve, which gives uh, signals in the most simple terms, signals to our limbic system that we're okay. And there's so many spaces in our in our society where we feel like we're not okay, yeah. that we need to be reminding ourselves pretty much all the time that we belong, that we matter, and that we're safe. Safety, belonging, yeah. and dignity, three things that people need motivate almost all of our behavior. And that's why I call mine empowerment coaching, because right. it's to bring people back into that. Yeah. And um, as you mentioned in my podcast, um, the title that you use is the genius body mm-hmm. and to, you know, trust that again. Cause yeah. like you said, when you haven't been listening to it, your body, your gut, your intuition is like, yeah, th- we, you've eroded this relationship. You're going to have to build back trust that That's right. I can speak and you will listen to me and you'll follow yeah. the guidance that I'm trying to say, because if not, mm-hmm. I don't want to waste my energy anymore. That's right. And so it's the work and, um, you know, whenever anybody's going into inner work and um, coaching, I know there's a lot of times people think, well, I'm just going to get the remedy and that's it. And it's a one-time thing. And it's like, okay, well, as long as you take the tools that was coached to you and you put it into practice, sure. Mm -hmm. Yet a lot of times why we fail is because we're not being consistent with the discipline of practice. Yeah. Yeah. The, the journey is the client's not mine. Yeah. And that is like a win-win for a coach because when somebody is finally taking the approval that I can change it, make it into my own. So it works for me. It's like, you're getting it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You're being your own little mad scientist to yeah. find out, okay, let me see this recipe. And if I change this one, two ingredients, it works for me. That's right. And that's what this is. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 There's been so much indoctrination that only followed this dogmatic way and don't change anything about it. And it's like, but it's not working for me, but I will still keep doing it. And it's like, no, change little things and give yourself that approval that, yeah, I can make it work for me because life is to be enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. Uh, And we do, um, you know, you, you. I love the way you explain the way coaching is because it's as simple as that. And, you know, sometimes my sessions is just a person crying and Mm -hmm. releasing. And when they come out of that and and releasing without the interruption, because a lot of times when we're crying, we interrupt the process of it. Yeah, because of my own discomfort, right? Like, I'm uncomfortable with seeing you cry. So here's the tissue or they're there or it's going to be okay. Or can I give you a hug? Those are wonderful humane, um, compassionate, empathetic ways of responding, but they get in the way of the other person's arc. And I came to understand, because I was that person for the longest time, I came to understand that there's an arc, a natural arc of a person's emotional release that needs to be respected. Yeah. Right. Because a lot of times after some of those sessions, they're like, how can you just watch me and go through that and and not be, you know, trained. And I'm like, because I'm not intaking it. I just have to witness you so that you have the strength to accept your own emotions. Yeah, and witness and hold space. That's one of the things that you do. You create a lovely, comfortable, safe environment for people to to explore themselves in. Yeah. Right? And yeah. and that's, that's a gift that uh, not everyone um, has to offer each other. 
but once and and it's not just a gift that coaches can. I mean, you you know, you sit down for a coffee with a good friend and and you you do that and you do that instinctively because you're recognizing the human in them, right? Yeah. And you're being there for them in that way, right? Yeah. Like it and it doesn't have to be any kind of professional exchange. It is just no. two human beings or as you might say two limbic systems yeah. exchanging energies, right? Yeah. Just being there and saying, "You know what? That really sucks." And I'm sorry yeah. you're going through that. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. could be a friend's divorce, could be an aging parent struggling with that. Or a kid that, having temper tantrums and not yeah. wanting to do their homework. Sure, sure. Yeah, exactly. And all <laughs> I need to do is be there to hear you. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I am a big advocate of hugs. I mm. know not everybody loves hugs, yet I understand the somatic release when you can go into a really long hug with somebody mm -hmm. um, and what that chemical release does. And, um, uh, you know, I've been told I give great hugs. And when people see me, they're like, oh, my gosh, I want one of your hugs. <laughs> um, and, you know, we've shied away from human touch. Yeah. And a simple hug has so many words and so much things can be released in that, yeah. that nothing has to even be explained. It's like just thank you. I needed that. Mm -hmm. I needed mm -hmm. that release for myself because I didn't know how to do it for myself. Yeah. That is really a thing. It really it is. is. And, you know, and th this is a great invitation to, to listeners. You know, the next time you're giving your partner or your child a hug, just try and hold it a little bit longer and breathe. Like you can feel it with a, with a young child, you know, that, that you're holding onto them and they're tense, they're crying, they're upset. And then they, they let it go. You feel their whole body just kind of melt. Yeah. And then you you hold on to them just for a little bit longer until it feels like it's time to let go. Yeah. Not because you're uncomfortable, but because it's time to let go. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's um it's astonishing to me. Like we don't value massage, for example. One of the one of the things that I often invite my clients into is is regular massage. Go see a massage therapist. Get to know your body and where things are and how things feel and the release that can come from relaxing where you're holding tension. Right. Mm -hmm. Even um, feeling the tension that you hold in your tongue. Yeah. A lot of people don't even realize how much tension they're holding in their tongue. Yeah. And in their jaw. Yeah. Now, there, I know there are two, two frames of reference here in my mind. Part of it is notice the tension and let it go. Focusing says notice the tension and be with it. Don't mm -hmm. let it go because there might be information there for you. I think it depends on the framework um, and where you are in the moment. Cause sometimes it's yeah. like, I got work to do and I don't have time to really be with it. I got to let it go to do certain things mm -hmm. yet still visiting. Okay. I'm listening to you. Yeah. I'm listening to you and I will yeah. listen. Like, you know, we're not there right now. I think that's where that inner child kind of work comes into mm -hmm. that. Okay. I hear you, but right now we have to do this part yet. I will come back to this because, you know, we have everyday life that we just have to do this because there's a responsibility and, um, you know, there's some places that you are, you're not able to just take five minutes and really go deep and, and whatnot. And sometimes if you can focus, if you are 
innate with your body. It only takes about a minute to drop in and find out and then it releases whatever memory and it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. we'll come back to this and we're feeling it. I haven't ignored you Mm -hmm. and I'm listening to you. Um, It's just, this is priority right now, yet it doesn't mean that you are not significant in that moment. So it it takes, you know, again, and and you have to analyze the outside world, you know, because the inside world reflects what the outside world is, yet you have to know how you have to show up. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes people can get into that dogma of, well, I have to do it just this way. And it's like, Mm -hmm. well, you have to read your situations too of, what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's why it's good to give yourself these moments and these practices where you can be in stillness mm-hmm. and do these downloads and these processings of, okay, this happened. What really was that? Let me mm-hmm. go a little bit deeper into that to find out, to release that emotional charge so you don't keep popping up when I feel these sensations or I'm in these situations with people. This is an essential tool here, what Natalie's talking about, knowing how we get in our own way, being aware of when we're doing it. This is some of the things that we can help our clients with as we sit in a supportive space as coaches. I'm glad you're still with us here on Meanderings with Trudy. Natalie and I will begin to wrap up pretty soon. Thanks very much for being here. Let's rejoin our conversation. Now tell me, how has your life been enriched or changed from the person that you are now with all of this knowledge, experience and innate wisdom coming up to the person that you were, say, before you had your, you know, started to get sick or, or when you were a civil servant. I mean, tell tell me about the difference. uh, There's a bliss in me. There is a bliss that even when I'm in certain challenges, people don't understand how I have this patience Mm -hmm. or I have this mannerism of seeing the positive side of things Mm -hmm. or um, I'm able to breathe more. Mm -hmm. Um, I always had deep listening. I always had a space where, you know, all my life since I've been young, you know, people came and told me stuff and it's like, why are you telling me this stuff? Like I, and, and I would get, you know, you're the only person I've ever said this. I don't understand why I'm telling you this. So I've, I've always had that deep listening, mm. yet I've gone even deeper. And I've learned not to, as you said with your work that you've done, not internalize other people's emotions. Mm-hmm. Because I've learned that that was a part of my trauma that I was trying to um, control other people's emotional compasses so that I would have a sense of belonging And if they felt good, then that means I feel good and really having my identity in that and recognizing that you can witness somebody's else emotions. You you don't have to feel them internally. Mm -hmm. You can empathize with them. You can see how you relate with that, yet you're not drowning in it. And you can just hold that space that you understand that this too shall pass. It may be a long storm. It will be uncomfortable. There's a lot of discomfort, yet there's information in it. And it's always to remember that the universe has your back. And that's what I know now. Um, as much, you know, my life is very colorful. I've gone through a lot of pain, a lot of trauma. And I know that the universe has my back. And there was purpose. I've made purpose in those experiences, as mm-hmm. ugly and as 
violent as some of them have been, I've made purpose mm. of alchemizing them. So I would say that there's been alchemy in my life of letting go of what I thought was rotten or um, impurities mm -hmm. and I've transferred and transformed them into gold. And that's where the bliss is of really having that relationship. Right. So you're, you're talking about um, sort of um, I call it composting, but yeah. you know, take, taking out the, 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 ex the, what, what have I learned from these experiences that I've gone through traumatic and otherwise and then how does that, um, how do I bring that to bear in where I go now? So it's a very intentional kind of then way forward that comes out of this. And the end result for you is, is a feeling of what you call bliss, right? Yeah. Is that, is that fair? Yeah. 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 And you say exactly. it's, that's an, that's an alchemy. That's a chemical change from something into something different. Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe more valuable in this case. Yeah. Because we can have it go the other way too. Um. <laughs> exactly, but, and it's it's yeah. it's power of your choice of mm -hmm. how are you going to perceive this and how are you going to interact with this. Right, right. And uh, you're the mother of three, uh, three, three, boys, yeah. three boys. Three boys. Yeah. <laughs> how old are they now? Twenty-seven, and the twins are twelve. Oh my gosh! Okay, yeah. you don't look old Big enough gap. to have a twenty-seven-year-old. I have a twenty-eight-year-old, and a soon-to-be twenty-six-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Or twenty-seven. I am old oh, enough. I have twenty-eight wisdom. and twenty-seven. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You sure do. I have wisdom, and I honor that wisdom. Yeah. And so, you know, when people hear my age, they're like, and I'm like, I honor, I honor it. And even if my physique starts to age, I'm going to honor that wisdom because. That means I have experience to give to the younger generation. Mm -hmm. I have lived experience and I'm not going to be in this world of what youth is. And it's like, I honor my mm -hmm. aging. Yeah. Well, that's I another thing we're told, body. right? As, as women as who are women. aging that we're, we're no longer, once you're, useful. once you're no longer useful in terms of, you know, um, bearing children, raising children, running a household, all, all of that kind of thing. Uh, that we have been told in the past, although I think that the the path is is it's much changing. more yeah much yes, more diverse it than it was before, um, you know. But but once you're no longer having those things, then you're not of use to people. And and I think that's another one of the messages that we get that says you know no I don't think so I I, yeah. I don't think so. And I think what people see within me is that I'm still very playful. I'm still very childlike. And so I can dance in the rain or I'll just start dancing anywhere in the middle of Costco or something. And people are like, how can you do that? Like, I love that you can do that. And I wish I could do it yet. And I just embrace myself and embrace my quirky ways, ways and just acting silly and wanting to make people laugh. So right. I think that's what people see in the energy of me is that is the youthfulness is that I'm still childlike and still well, want to be playful. Coming back to you and underlining that whole notion of, I'm the one in control of whether or not I belong. Yeah. And I believe that I belong. Yeah. And because I belong, I can dance when a song I love comes on at Costco. And and that's okay. Yeah. Point final, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And some people don't um, you know, they see it and they don't have it. Mm -hmm. Um, yet I embrace it because mm -hmm. it's, you know, life is very limited. You know, once you really understand death and you have a real, you face it, mm -hmm. 
you get to see that, you know, life is very finite and your time is yours. And a lot of times we don't think our time is ours and we don't do, we don't invest in it and Mm -hmm. enjoying it. Even if you're in a responsibility, Mm -hmm. you can still bring play into it and and shift your mind of, I want to show up fully in this. Yeah with whatever I'm feeling, yet I want to be awake in my moments mm-hmm. and be able to live life and be alive in life. Right. Not just, you know, coast through it. Mm-hmm. Yet death, you know, we, we, I think that's what I'm doing with Lift Oneself too, is to engage in the conversations of death. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, well, it's easy for you because you faced, you know, you were told you're going to die. Your body was, you know, tr- transitioning and shutting down. And I'm like, yes, I understand that physically I went through that. Yet you can psychologically start facing death and what your interpretations are. Because mm-hmm. that is what our nervous system is always looking for is don't die. And so when you can understand what your nervous system is always trying to protect itself from, then you can harness that energy to be alive in it. And it's so funny because we have certainty of one thing. We're all going to die, right? So, and yet that is the one certainty that none of us actually want to hold on to. In the hurly-burly of all of our lives, do we actually make the time to have those kind of conversations with ourselves, let alone with a, with a pal over, over Zoom, like we're doing now, or, or with a friend over coffee, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, well, that's a downer. Well, well, it might be a downer, but it's also a fact of life. And if we had two foundational pieces coming out of this podcast, know that you belong and you're in charge of your belonging and you're going to die. <laughs> maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but all of us do. Everybody who's alive on the earth right now in a hundred years aren't going to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. And so that makes life precious. So what it do we does. do? Yeah. It's the fragility of life. It's the fragility of life that people really don't engage in. That's what the resilience is, mm-hmm. is the sensitivity of knowing how fragile life is, yet we bypass it all the time. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm we busy. We don't honor it. Yeah, I got to get I gotta get stuff done. And it's like in service of what? You know, I've sat with mothers that have lost their children. I have close friends that, you know, I knew that child when they were in their mother's stomach and they're no longer here 18 years later. You know, they they were 18 years on this earth and gone. And when you speak to those people, they will shift your perception of, you know, appreciating what's here. Because in your mind, you think it's always going to be permanent, but life is impermanent. Things shift and change. So appreciate what you do have right now. Yeah, yeah. And honor it. Yeah. Well, this was such a great chat, as usual. That's two down and probably many <laughs> more, to, more go. to come. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Thank you so much. Thank you, Trudy. This was lovely. Honoring life seems like a pretty good place to stop. Thanks for joining us on Meanderings with Trudy. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Natalie Bedard of Lift Oneself. I hope that you'll subscribe if you haven't already and share this with other people and join me next week when we drop another podcast with Angie Arndt. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you soon.